Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's A Trophy Life Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Rathbun. And coming up on our show, we'll be going over the great college basketball that's coming up. March is here. March Madness is here. We can't wait for all the conference tournaments to begin. Our guest this week is a former Citizen Naismith Trophy winner, Danny Ferry, who claimed the award back in 1989. We'll catch up with Danny and relive some great moments in his childhood and at Duke University. But first, let's take a look at this week's news and notes. A Trophy Life is brought to you by Citizen Watch, proud sponsor of the Citizen Naismith Player of the Year Awards. Citizen EcoDrive watches are powered by light and never need a battery. Visit us at citizenwatch.com. Citizen, better starts now. And earlier this week, the 10 women's college basketball players on the Citizen Naismith Trophy semifinalist were announced by the Atlanta Tip-Off Club. This list of 10 includes five seniors, three juniors, one sophomore, and one freshman. Now, the four finalists will be announced on March the 20th, and fans will then have a chance to vote for their favorite player of the four beginning that day through April 1st by visiting naismithtrophy.com vote to cast their ballot. The fan vote will account for 5% of the overall total. The 2020 Citizen Naismith Trophy for Women's Player of the Year will be announced on April the 4th, and the winner will be honored at her school on a later date. And also be on the lookout for the men's semifinalists. Their top 10 will be announced on March the 5th. College basketball is coming down the home stretch now, the final week of the regular season, and some of the mid-major tournaments and smaller conferences are having their tournaments this week. Still a lot left to be decided. While Kentucky has wrapped up the SEC title, Seton Hall has earned a share of the Big East. The ACC, the Big 12, the Pac-10, and the Pac-12 all come down to the wire. Now, the Big 10 has a big logjam at the top. There are six teams within two games of one another. The ACC race is coming down to the wire. They have four teams within a game and a half of number 10 Louisville's lead at 15-4. and four. What an amazing season for the Dayton Flyers. They capped the A-10 regular season championship with an incredible offensive performance. The Flyers had their best shooting performance in 34 years. They hit 72% of their shots in a big win over Davidson. And all that's left for Dayton now is to finish the A-10 season undefeated. The Flyers have won 18 straight games. They play at Rhode Island on Wednesday and host George Washington on Saturday. And Dayton, by the way, is number three this week in the men's poll, its highest ranking since reaching number two in 1955-56. Now, as for the women, their regular season is wrapping up, too. There are several major conference tournaments getting underway this week. And on that list, the ACC, they play at the Greensboro Coliseum. And the championship game there will be on Sunday, March the 8th. Louisville is the top seed, as we mentioned. The Big East is underway in Chicago at Wintrust Arena, a Monday, March 9th championship with DePaul the top seed. The Big Ten women at Bankers Life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. Championship game Sunday, March 8th. Maryland is the top seed. The Pac-12 women at Mandalay Bay Events Center in Las Vegas. Championship Sunday, March the 8th. Oregon is the top seed. And the SEC women underway in Greenville, South Carolina at Bon Secours Wellness Arena. The championship game is Sunday. And the top seed is the number one team in the country, the South Carolina Gamecocks. Speaking of conference tournaments, I want to mention to you basketball fans, if you're going to be in Greensboro for the men's ACC tournament, 
make sure you stop by Reed's Jewelers on Thursday, March the 12th, and visit with three-time Citizen Naismith Trophy winner Ralph Sampson. The former ACC and UVA legend will be on-site signing autographs from 5.30 to 7 p.m. And if you purchase a Citizen watch, you'll get a great autographed gift. Now, Reed's is located at 1612 Highwoods Boulevard in Greensboro. Citizen Watch is proud to be the title sponsor of the Citizen Naismith College Player of the Year Awards. Speaking of trivia for this week, there have been 11 schools in history that have produced both a men's Citizen Naismith Trophy winner and the Warner Ladder Coach of the Year. And those schools are Virginia, Villanova, UMass, UCLA, St. Joe's, Ohio State, North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, Indiana, and Duke University. The coach, of course, is Mike Krzyzewski, a three-time winner. And the players are J.J. Reddick, Jay Williams, Shane Battier, Elton Brand, Christian Leitner, Johnny Dawkins, and this week's guest, Danny Ferry, one of the ACC's and Duke's all-time greats of two-time ACC Player of the Year, named one of the 50 greatest in ACC history. And back in 1989, he was named the Citizen Naismith Player of the Year. Here's my conversation this week with our guest, Danny Ferry. A pleasure to catch up with the 1989 Citizen Naismith Player of the Year, Danny Ferry. And Danny, it's great to touch base with you and and let's get caught up. How are you doing? Great, Bob, and great to talk with you. Uh, things are things are well. Um, raising my family, getting older, all that stuff, but life is good. Well, let's go back because a, a lot of people may be listening to our podcast today, Danny, uh, are not familiar totally with the background. Uh, you coming from a, just a wonderful family, uh, Bob and Rita. Uh, your dad was a player first with the Bullets and then became the general manager of that team, won a championship in 1978. And I first wanted to ask you what it was like growing up in a basketball family like that, you and your brother Bob, uh, with pro basketball in your life every day of the year. Well, I'm sure we'll talk more about it, uh, as we, but I was as fortunate as anyone could be as regards to you know my basketball experience and and life that I had around it. But uh, you know, my father played for 10 years in the NBA. Um, he uh, was was played for the St. Louis Hawks and the Pistons and the Baltimore Bullets, went, then went on to coach for a couple of years and then became general manager. Um, he was managed, general manager, I think, for 17, 18 years. Uh, won, a couple, won, a, won a championship, made to the Eastern, won the Eastern Conference Finals, I think, three times on top of that. Um, I grew up around, there were much smaller businesses then. Uh, I grew up around it, living it. Um, you know, I was very fortunate to be around it. Um, you know, was, was unbelievable, you know, and again, to touch on it, it was a family thing for us. And for me, I was very fortunate to have an older brother that ended up to be a very good player, um, was drafted by the Hawks, um, and, uh, played at Harvard. Uh, and I, he was three, three and a half years older than me, and I tagged around with him, and I just wanted to be like him more than anything else. So I had the bigger picture of basketball, but I had the smaller picture uh, of basketball at home with my dad, but especially my brother, and just wanting to be, uh, try to be his best friend as a little kid and someone I look up to so much. You know, when you talk about family, it's not just the, the tight-knit fairy family. Uh, it's your extended family with that basketball team and getting to know all the guys uh on a very 
intimate basis, uh, even though you're, you know, you're just a kid growing up, but still to be around guys like Wes Unseld and Elvin Hayes and those great bullet teams in the, in the mid to late seventies, I mean, rebounding uh, uh, <laughs> with, with Wes and shooting jumpers with the big E, uh, not too many kids get a chance to do that. No, it was great. And I, you know, I, uh, from, you know, I got it when I was also seven, six, six, 16, 17, 18, being around Rick Mahorn and Jeff Ruland. So when I was older, but when I was younger, Elvin Hayes and Bobby Dandridge and Kevin Greedy and Mitch Kupchak, those guys, those were all guys I just was around all the time. I looked up to them like crazy, but they were also normal people to me. And I saw how how hard they work and how much they invested in in what they were doing and what it was like to, to really go after it. So, um, you know, it was an incredibly rich um, basketball life that I had. Um, you know, that again, just continued to be, you know, really uh, special for me throughout my life. And while this is all going on, of course, you are in high school uh, playing for the late, great Morgan Wooten, the Hall of Famer at DeMatha, who just left us, of course, in January. Uh, your recollections on the total experience of playing for Coach Wooten? Well, I mean, you know, I played for Kay and Pop, and we'll talk about them more as as well. You know, but having the opportunity to play for Coach Wooten, you know, that, those coaches weren't better than Coach Wooten. They, you know, Coach Wooten was as good as any coach there ever has been. And um, he did it in a way that was uh, of high integrity, um, big picture, thoughtful, um, you know, uh, the impact he had on so many people's lives. It was just back at his funeral a few weeks ago. Uh, the impact he had on so many people's lives and, and what a special person he was uh, is, you know, it's 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 humbling. Um, I know I'm certainly not <laughs> in his category. I mean, he is was truly a special man and a great coach and, you know, national championships and kids going to college on scholarship. I mean, n- no one's done what he's done and, and, and to do it with the integrity he did it with. He never asked for anything from anyone and help people constantly. Um, you know, I just, uh, I can't, can't express my appreciation and respect for him enough. And then it was on to Duke, of course, uh, when coach K is getting things cranked up, what led you to, to play for coach K and go to Duke? Well, um, you know, having a great experience at, at the Matha, um, I was highly recruited. Um, I really wanted to play in the ACC at the time I was in growing up in Maryland. I, my high school was about a mile, mile down the road from college park and, and, and Coalfield house. I'd go to a lot of games with my dad when he was scouting and just was around the ACC atmosphere a lot. Uh, along with that, at that time, you know, the ACC was, you know, really, really strong. The big East and the ACC really kind of ran the whole thing, but the big East was just getting started. Um, and the ACC, you know, I kind of got, kind of grew up always wanting to go to Carolina in all candid, in all candor. Um, but went to all the ACC games and Duke at the time and Coach K, um, uh, were, um, just building their, their brand, so to speak, and building a level of success. Um, I knew people because they were, had recruited so many DC guys. I played against Tommy Emmerker. I'd played against Johnny Dawkins. My brother had um, Billy King um, was one of my best friends from, you know, uh, summer basketball. Um, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I really 
like the people that were there, and I connected with Coach K. Coach K is an unbelievable connector uh, of people uh, when when you play for him, but he he really is as well when in the recruiting process. And I just really liked him. And Duke being a national school, a great school, you know, just everything kind of pointed me in that direction, and the opportunity for me to go there was was the right one. And I'm excited and happy that I picked it. That's for sure. I got to take you back to your freshman year. Of course, this is the first run uh, to the Final Four in 1986. And, of course, I had the pleasure of broadcasting so many of your games uh, for the ACC Network. It was Raycom, of course, and Jefferson Pilot back Jefferson then. Jefferson Pilot, I remember. Sail with, sail with the Pilot, Danning. That's right. We used to fly around Piedmont Airline, too. No, no <laughs> way back then. So those brands have changed a little bit, but they were, they were great and great, great memories. In 1986... I am doing the NCAA first round uh, on ESPN and NCAA Productions, and Duke uh, is matched up against Mississippi Valley State. Valley Mississippi State. Valley State. And little, I mean, unless you lived it and, and you're a big Duke fan, you might not remember the fact that the great run to the Final Four your freshman year and that whole start of the Duke runs to all these Final Fours in the subsequent decade since might not have gotten off the ground. You guys were in trouble against Mississippi Valley State, and Johnny Dawkins saved the day. We were we were against the mat for sure. Uh, they came and really got after us, and were really gr- aggressive and quick and physical. Um, they made shots, and um, they played really really well. And we were, you know, at the time, thirty thirty four and two. Uh, we were number one in the country. We'd won the ACC tournament. We'd won the ACC regular season, you know, and that was at a time when Mark Price at Georgia Tech and, and John Sally, how great they were. North Carolina had great teams. Um, you know, college basketball was super strong then. We were the number one seed in the whole tournament, and that team took us to the mat, and we were on our back a little bit. And then the Johnny Johnny Dawkins show started. Uh, and he just wouldn't let us lose. And, um, you know, he is such an important part of Duke lore and Duke history, Johnny, as he kind of set the tone for everything. But he saved it that day. Yes, he did. He, he, he put us on his back and just he, he refused to allow us to lose. And he was, he was a great college player. He had some injuries as a pro that kind of set him back some. But as a college player, he was special and um, exciting, cool, you know, Reverse, you know, six two kids going up and doing out reverse alley oop dunks and things that were, you know, just fun. But that game, he was not going to let us lose. Danny, that started for you uh, and your teammates, of course, and I think mainly of Quinn Snyder because you guys were classmates and roommates together. He was your point guard. But that starts a run of three Final Fours in four years. Just an amazing run of success. And uh, looking back at it now, uh, how hard it is to get to one Final Four uh, for a group, uh, and to to have you guys do that three times in four years has to be uh, a great memory for you. Well, it was you know we had to kind of it was no certainty. We knew that we were going to be good my freshman year, um, you know, with Dawkins and Allery and Billis and and David Henderson and Tommy Amaker. We knew we were going to be good, but after that, it was this is part of the reason why I chose Duke. It was all right, it's on me. It's on, you know, the next group. And um, we got to, we made the NCAA tournament the next year. We lost the Sweet 16 to Indiana, who eventually won it. 
and then to be able to get to two more final fours was, you know, really fulfilling. Um, you know, we, our group did that. Now we certainly, you know, had a lot to thank for, to Johnny and those guys, but our, our next group of, uh, uh, you know, Quinn, myself, uh, Billy King and, Christian Leitner and Robert Bricky, those group of guys, you know, we were able to put ourselves in a thing where we started to build a real tradition or rebuild the tradition that is at, at Duke. And, um, you know, guys like Christian and those guys took it in, and Grant took it another level from there. That's a, that's a great way to put it, uh, to rebuild the tradition because Duke basketball didn't start with coach K. I think, uh, the accomplishments of Coach Bubis uh, over the years have may have been lost a bit. Uh, this was a wonderful program then. Coach Bubis had a great program, and Bill Foster had good years with with Banks and Denard and that group. And but it had kind of unraveled. Um, and Coach K, you know, there's a Jay Billis did a documentary on it. Coach K almost got fired after a couple of years mm-hmm. because it it had unraveled. You know, and it needed to be re, you know the tradition needed to be rebuilt. And that first group did, and we were able to make it sustainable. And like I said, Grant and Christian took it to an even greater, you know, Bobby Hurley and the guys after them took it to an even greater level. Thank goodness Tom Butters didn't listen to all the noise. Yes, yes. You know, you don't know that that would happen in today's in today's basketball all the time. So Tom Butters was a great leader as an athletic director at, at, at Duke and he put up with a lot of heat. Um, you know, they had fire coach committee K committees on, uh, uh, in, in, in the booster club and so on. And, uh, Tom stood up to it and, uh, I'm, I'm sure Duke is way better off because of it. Danny, you get to the end of the career. Um, your number 35 is retired. You're named one of the 50 greatest players in ACC history. And we talked about the fact that you won the 89 Citizen Naismith. And, and I know when you're going through it, you're not playing for individual accolades. But looking back on it now, uh, what's that Naismith Player of the Year mean to you? Because it's so rich in history and tradition. Well, I mean, that whole time was surreal. Um, you know, I did a really good job at that time, especially just focusing on what's in front of me. Uh, that's hard to do. And I was, you know, Coach K, K really kind of coaches that, and I followed it well. Um, but it was surreal, you know, that year. Um, I almost left after my junior year to go to the drafts and um, uh, ended up staying and so happy I stayed. Uh, you know, being Naismith Player of the Year was such a great honor. Um, getting to the Final Four again, the year that, that, that I had, I just felt like I grew and as a person, as a player and everything, and it was the right decision for me. It's not the right decision for everybody, but for me it really was, and um, the year was unforgettable. Danny, you mentioned Coach Pop, and of course your pro career, you played in the NBA and then an executive with Cleveland and Atlanta, um, but the coming out of that Spurs uh, family, um, as a player and then later of course working for pop what what's what's this guy like we see him you know from afar uh not too many of us get too close to him but uh for somebody who knows him intimately well tell us about greg popovich he is an authentic genuinely good person um it starts with that and you know coach k is and and morgan wooten uh is you know uh, that's so important if you want to be a great coach or be you know that level but Pop is just, he's a pretty normal, authentic, caring, thoughtful human being that's smart 
and lives on principle and standards, um, sets standards for himself and everyone around him that are clear. And uh, it just creates an environment that um, it's about winning. Um, it's fair. You know, everyone gets chewed out. Everyone gets an arm around them. Um, you know, that's whether you work for him in the front office uh, or as an assistant coach or you play for him. Um, but he's hardest on himself, and, and he's the most caring, thoughtful person about you and your family and your life, um, you know. As you can tell, I'm mean, talking about Coach Wooten and Coach K and, and Pop. You know, I was really lucky. You know, I was around some incredible people. I also got to play for Lenny Wilkins. I got to play for Mike Fratello. I got to play for really good coaches. But you know, um, um, I don't know many people have had as no one's had a better experience with me with me than I've had with coaches. People have had good ones, but better, I don't know. That's that's a Hall of Fame lineup right there. Danny, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. We could talk all day, as you know. There's <laughs> so much uh, uh, great history with you. And uh, congratulations again. We remember you for winning the 89 Naismith. And, and all the best to you in your future endeavors. Bob, thanks. It was great to catch up with you. And I look forward to uh, seeing you soon. See you hopefully at the Final Four. Yes, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'm excited. I'm excited it's in Atlanta. Great. Thanks, Danny. Take care. It's a very special time of the year, and certainly for ACC fans, Danny Ferry, of course, instrumental in Duke's success as the Coach K legacy got going in the mid to late 1980s. And it is also a conference tournament championship that really does mean something. It's still the Players' Championship, and even though the ACC, like many conferences, has expanded in size over the years, it's still the Players' Championship. It's still something that when you go back through the history books, you look at the great players in our game, a lot of them were ACC champions along the way. So we'll be keeping our eyes on that tournament as it kicks off next week in Greensboro. Speaking of the Final Four, Citizen, title sponsor of the Citizen Naismith Trophy for College Player of the Year, sending one lucky winner and a guest to the NCAA Championship weekend April 2020 in Atlanta with tickets to the semifinal and championship games, a Citizen Naismith watch, and invitations to hospitality events. Try your luck today and enter to win the Citizen Slam Dunk Sweepstakes by visiting citizenwatch.com slash us slash en slash Naismith. The winner will be chosen once the sweepstakes concludes, and that's coming up. The days are dwindling to a precious few. The contest deadline is March the 22nd. Limit one entry per person, and you must be a U.S. resident. If you haven't already, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and review. Your support makes a trophy life possible, and feedback only goes to help us improve the show. So thank you for that, and we look forward to hearing from you. That's going to do it for this week. Our favorite month of the year is here. March Madness has arrived. We can't wait to watch all the games. And we'll be back again next week. So thanks for joining us on A Trophy Life. This is Bob Rathbun saying so long from Atlanta.